I know how they feel. <laughs> oh, our lesson's going to come out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 18. We're going to run through all the way to uh, 25 real quick there. 1 Corinthians. So we said, well, that's not your traditional Easter message. We should have been at sunrise service. We got the traditional Easter message. Uh, we've had a busy week. It's Holy Week. Uh, we didn't do as much this year as we normally do. Uh, but I still follow the liturgy of all that Jesus has done. Tuesday we had the Seder meal. If you could, if you came, great. Uh, we learned one thing from the Seder meal. Is that I've been teaching it for a couple years and doing the Seder meal for a couple years. We've been doing it right. And so praise the Lord. Next year we'll be able to just do our own Seder meal. We'll be, uh, we'll be uh, available for appointments. Uh, so with that coming on, uh, that was good. But where are we at in the calendar? Where are we at in the liturgical calendar, that is? We've been through this week, Thursday night. Uh, let me get my notes here because I'll miss something. Thursday night, uh, sunset would have been the start of the Passover, the Seder meal, the whatever you want to call it, uh, the last meal. There's a lot of names. depends on your tradition and faith. Uh, Jews still call it the Seder meal today. Uh, the Thursday night, Jesus was arrested. Throughout the night, he went through trial. Friday morning, he was crucified. At noon, he was dead. Uh, three hours of darkness. Three o'clock, he was taken off the cross and put in a tomb. Friday and Saturday, he spent in Hades, uh, set the captives free. Sunday morning, he is risen. Amen. And that's kind of where we're at with that today. And that was the sunrise service. We come to praise, honor, and glory God. For he is risen. And I asked this question this morning at sunrise service. What does that mean to you? That Jesus Christ raised from the dead. His dying paid the price for your sins. What does rising mean? And so we get this whole story. This Paul comes up here. Paul comes up here in this, this story here in Corinthians, the power of the cross. The power of the cross. And, and, and of course we have the cross behind us here. And in our tradition, our faith, not all churches have a cross in it. And, and they're, they're not wrong. I'm not talking about anybody else. But in our tradition, our faith, the cross is there. And if we really were traditional, the pulpit would be over here. And uh, like Gail would be over here, there'd be two pulpits. It'd be one would be smaller than the other, and the preacher would be there. The, on the center table, as we would have it, you would have the word and the elements, and then the cross. Because your center focus is not the preacher, it is not the choir. Your center focus is on the word, on the elements, the body and the blood of Jesus, and on the cross, which he is no longer on, that he died, he overcome it, and he gives us the power to proclaim his word. And so we, as most churches today, we're not going to change anything. Most churches today, they center more on the preaching, and they center more on the choir. And that kind of brings us up to our... My story here is, is Tammy and I do the walk to Mass with younger people and different things. Well, I was working with a younger person. It was a kind of an older congregation one day. And the person had musical talent. And the, music, the person sung and played for us. And I thanked him for doing a great job. 
And then later on, I said, I might need to invite you back. And that person had the audacity to say to me, uh, I probably won't be back. Those people were dead. I'm like, what? And Gail and I have talked this in the choir. We have talked about this, have we not? Uh, when you're standing up there, sometimes you all don't have the best looks on your face. <laughs> I'm just going to cut to the chase. I always want to videotape you, and I did that at one church. I videotaped. It's amazing what you all do while I'm preaching. <laughs> so just cut to the chase on that one. And so I sat there and thought about it for a little bit, and I went back to the young person and said, you know what? You won't be invited back until you got your heart right with God. Because, see, I learned a valuable lesson early in my ministry, actually by about two years into my ministry. When I got into the ministry and I was going to go, uh, a long story about how to get into the ministry, but the first sermon was horrible, but I had worked on that and practiced it for six months. And so I knew I was going to be this preacher, and I was going to go there, and I was going to be this going along. I wanted to be a mixture between Jay Leno and, uh, and uh, Char uh, Charles Stanley. I want to be able to tell jokes and be funny, but also have a powerful message. Like Charles Stanley is one of my favorite preachers. And that's where I wanted to be. And, and I realized in trying to be funny and trying to be knowledgeable and trying to be all that for the congregation, what was I doing? I was trying to please, please the congregation, and I forgot as the one who called me to the ministry for his pleasing and not mine. And that is Jesus. And so we go along there, and what I want us to do, the whole message for today is about the power of the cross. And I'll finish this story in just a minute. Let's start off at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the message of the cross, for the message of the cross is foolish to those who are perishing, but to who us who are being saved is the power of God, for it is written. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring nothing to the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in wisdom of God the world through the wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign, Greeks seek after wisdom, but, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. This is the word of God for the people of God. And so the whole message here on Easter Sunday morning is Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ sits at the right hand of the Father, and he's coming back again. But with that knowledge, the knowledge that Christ died on the cross for yours and my sin, what are you doing about it in your life? How is your life different now than it was before you knew about the cross? How is it different? How are we living different? In my story talking to this young person, I explained to her, you're playing for the wrong people. You want praise from the wrong people. See, and, and, and I know this sounds arrogant, 
But I did not get, I did not practice, and I got up at 5 o'clock this morning, the practice part of the sermon, because it's a little different between churches. Uh, but I, I got up at 5 o'clock this morning. Some of you are going to say, really? But that's beside the point. Uh, but so I got up, and I've been working on the sermon for a couple weeks. I, I got the sermons for a couple weeks ahead, working on I'm constantly praying and working, praying and working, praying and working. And some people said, man, you know, he's a pretty good preacher, and he does a good job for us. But I'm going to be sorry to say I didn't come here today to preach a sermon so you could tell me how good I was or how bad I was. I come to preach to the one who saved me, and that is my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You just happen to be blessed to get to hear the sermon. I'm hoping that Gail and the choir, when they practice, that they realize that they're not here to be entertainers. We're here to bring praise and honor to God. And you that don't sing, that don't preach, that sit in the, in the pews, you're there to be blessed by what the Holy Spirit does with the talent that is given to us. It is nothing about you guys. That's nothing about you. You coming here today to hear the preacher. It is about me praising God through the sermon that he has given to me to preach. I would preach the same sermon if there was nobody here or if there's one. I have preached to a service of three people. Two of them had heard the service, the sermon at the last church I was at. I preached the same, the same kind of setup to a hundred people before. And I preach with the same power and might that God has given me. I don't want to sound arrogant, but, but we come. And when we come to play, whether you're there to sing, whether you're going to play, or whether you, whatever your reason for standing on this side, look out. I want us to be reminded that we don't do it for the congregation. The congregation gets blessed by what we do. We do it to please God. We sing, we sing, and we practice the singing, and we practice the singing to please God. We write sermons, we practice sermons, children's message. We do it all. We do it all to please God. So I have asked Van to do something for me today. I brought it with me. Van's going to look for it someplace else. I brought it with me. And this is for everybody that stands on this side and looks out. Van's going to take this cross and he's going to nail it above that back door. During the service, by the way, he's fixing to do it. He'd get up here and grab it from me. Van <laughs> <laughs> made that cross. And I want for us, anybody that stands here in space, whether it's Sunday morning breakfast, you can go ahead and back to what you say. Whether it's Sunday morning breakfast, whether it's just sometime during a business meeting or something else we're doing in this church, in this sanctuary, it is not for you. We're going to be able to stare, Gail and the choir are going to be able to stare at the cross to remind us. And for those who are young, they come up and they're fearful. I don't know if the congregation's going to like me. Who cares? Do it for Jesus. That's where our power comes from. That is the power of the cross to us today. He comes and gave us that power. If you all would turn back, there's a van hanging across. Somebody take a picture of him real quick. So we can say the van actually works in the church one day. <laughs> van does a lot in the church. The cross over here is also because of the van. So when you're asked to do something in the church, 
We've, I've asked people, to, hey, can you speak a testimony on Saturday morning or Sunday morning breakfast? No. You know, you're not saying no to me. You're saying no to God. And I want us to be reminded, whoever you are, whoever you are, and I want the church to be reminded for those who come before, or come after me and come after you, that that cross stands. That's why we do it. What if the power did the cross give us? Number one, I mean, I, this is my list. This is everybody's list might be a little different. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, your sin and my sin was nailed to that cross. You have not been so bad that Jesus will not forgive you. Forgiveness was nailed to the cross. Healing was nailed to the cross. By my stripes, you are healed. My favorite, I know this is going to sound odd, death was nailed to the cross. 2 Corinthians tells us, oh death, oh death, where is your sting? And I I got an impromptu Bible study at Chick-fil-A out of all places. Uh, In Valdosta, I had to take, uh, we've had a rough week. If you didn't know that, we've lost Gypsy and Miracle. Hannah's cat, Miracle, had to put to sleep Friday. So pray for Hannah. But so I'm there Friday. I got the dog at the vet. And I'm visiting with a good Christian friend of mine. There happened to be other people there. Next thing you know, what are we talking about? Chick-fil-A is death. Death affects this world. When a loved one of ours dies, it affects us and the people around there. But for the person that died in Christ, they went to sleep and they woke up the next moments later in the presence of Jesus and the other people that have died. Jesus on that cross, coming off that cross, going to Hades, going to the Father, he took the sting out of death. And we can, we're going to miss our loved ones, but we can be rest assured the ones that believe in Christ, we will see them again. And that should comfort us. The cross at death should comfort us. Uh, worry. Jesus nailed our worry. I'm still working on this one, by the way. I'm a worry word. Fear. When asked to speak in the church or anywhere else, you know, asked to take a leadership position, not only in the church, but in our workplace, in our community, the fear should be nailed to the cross. Because no matter what you do, no matter where you're working, no matter what it is that you've been asked to do, don't do it for man or woman. Do it for Christ. Do all things as if Christ himself has asked you to do the work. And when you start working for Christ, no matter what the pay is, no matter what the hours are, all of a sudden it becomes worth it. And so, and there's a, the list could go on and on and on. But the cross is to remind us. The cross is empty today because God overcome all those things. He overcome all those things. We don't want to go back. We don't want to go back to the old way of life. That's why we're here today. And when we come here for the sermon on Sunday, I want us to be reminded it's not a show. It's not a, okay, here's the, and I used to work with a preacher once before. He says, well, it's showtime. Does everybody put on their smiling face? The whole congregation, and then all of us would be out in the hallway. It's a bigger church. And then the pastor would come walking through. It's showtime. Put your smiling faces on. Let's go. And that always bothered me because it's not a show. 
It's not a show. It's about the redemptive power of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. When the choir sings, they sing for Jesus. When the children people do their children's moment, it's for Jesus. When we preach, it's for Jesus. I learned a long time ago, stop pleasing the congregation and start pleasing my Father who's in heaven. And where does that power, how do we get that power? Jesus was at that meal 2,000 years ago, whatever you want to call it, the Last Supper, the Seder meal, when he sat there and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Many of us, we got talking about this in the Baptist church, that's right, many of us have been whooped by mom and dad, right? Back in the old days, young and we used to get whoopings, belt whippings sometimes. There were sticks or whatever there was, wooden spoons. I didn't know a wooden spoon was used for skirting, but I met Tammy. After she hit me in the head with it, skirted that over there. So I learned that lesson because I've been married. But so uh, on that is, you know, we go along with punishments one thing, but we need forgiveness. The cross should remind us. When Jesus took the cup of redemption, and he said, this is my blood which is poured out for you. For the forgiveness of your sins. Some of you may, the boy is hot here, it's cold in here, you know, you come in with the wrong attitude. Rest assured, God has forgiven you for that sin. You may not be in the right attitude for worship. Rest assured that God has forgiven you for that sin. No matter what sin you committed, not that we would go out and commit sins, but whatever sin you committed, God has forgiven you. Praise the Lord. I sat there at the Baptist church today, we talked with the, the journey again to a couple of us, and we, somehow we got talking about something. I said, You know, I live in the grace of God. Because I could not ever live in anything else. I am not perfect enough to live anywhere else but in God's grace. And that's what the cross should remind us of. The grace of God. And since we're now on for those who are on this side, and when you come up and take communion, you look back, and if you're walking out the door, remember the grace, the mercy of God. When you're walking out the door, remember what the world needs is a redemptive Savior. And they need that grace and that mercy as we're, as we're to be the hands and feet of God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, our Heavenly Father, Lord, I ask you to make this bread your body, and I ask you to make this juice your blood. That we will remember this day, the day that you overcome sin, the day that you overcome death, the day that you overcome the accusations of wrongdoing, the day that you gave us forgiveness, the day that you gave us grace, the day that you gave us mercy, the day in which you redeemed the world with your body and your blood. Let us always remember that. And we do this in remembrance of you. And Lord, we ask you this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If uh, Van and Richard would come up, we're going to have some, if you need gluten-free bread, we're going to start off with gluten-free, come to the beginning of the line.
Do we have visitors here today? We have an open table. Let me remind you of one thing. In our liturgy, it says, Christ invites. Guess what? I'm not Christ. These two aren't either. Trust me. Trust me on this one. One thing right here. The church is the body of Christ. But Christ himself invites you to the table. Not anybody else but Jesus Christ. He asks those who love him, who earnestly repent their sins, and uh, who want to live in peace with one another and come to the table. It is open to all young or old. There's no difference in, that. in there. Young children can come to the, Christ, uh, to the table. But when you come, do not take anything from God. Not that do not take anything from God. You cannot take anything. You receive. You receive the blessing. Of course, we're taking communion. The altar rail is open for our prayer. The altar rail is also open if, uh, for the altar fund. And that money goes to help people in the community. So come now if you're ready. Where'd Richard go? Oh. Well, come in a minute. I'll start walking.